At that time, Jesus was casting out a devil, and the same was done. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. The gospel given for today's Mass is a fitting one, as it deals with the power of the devil. Lent, being a time of prayer and penance, has the aim to help us overcome this power. The occasion of this gospel was the healing of the man possessed by the devil and the return of his speech, which was probably caused by a physical defect in the man as well as the presence of the devil. Possession was widespread in the Holy Land in the Old Testament times and was usually accompanied by a physical disorder. In the Roman ritual, which we use, the priest is instructed to take care in distinguishing between a possession and a simple physical problem. This shows how closely these are connected, and it was no different in the time of our Lord. But our Lord in the Gospel recognizes that this man is actually possessed, and by a twofold miracle, he casts out the evil spirit and cures the physical affliction the man is suffering from. Christ cures both problems and did it publicly to arouse the admiration of the people. He healed the man at the same time as he drove out the evil spirit to prove that the man was really free from the devil. This should have led the Jewish leaders to recognize our Lord as the Christ, but through their pride, they pretended not to. Instead, they falsely accused him of casting out devils by Beelzebub, which is the name the Jews gave to the greatest of all devils. It was also one of the pagan idols at the time, and the word means the Lord of the Flies. This name was given to that idol either due to the great number of flies which swarmed around it, or because they would often sacrifice to that pagan god when the flies were particularly bad. I have a feeling these sacrifices were the cause of the flies in the first place, but it goes to show that if you work for the devil, you must leave reasoning and intelligence behind you. You can see this in the excuse the Pharisees gave for Christ's miracle. They hoped the people would listen to their authority and not their words. As usual, they were trying to find fault in our Lord so that they could put him to death. Despite the absurdity of their statement, our Lord calmly responds and points out their error. Satan does not fight Satan, for a divided kingdom cannot stand. They had hardened their hearts against him so much that they would say anything, no matter how ridiculous, just to prove him wrong. The Old Testament Jewish leaders cast out devils themselves and claimed to do so by the power of God. Surely the same principles apply here. Our Lord is telling them by a clear sign that the kingdom of God has arrived and is asking that they please realize it. Having made it clear, at least to those who had not hardened their hearts to his words, that he was working by the finger of God, that is, the power of God, our Lord goes on to give them a lesson in vigilance. He says to those who are free from the devil's power that the evil spirit doesn't simply cease to exist when expelled. 
He wanders through places without water, seeking rest. And not finding it, he says, I will return to my house from which I came out. Then he goes back into the man over whom he once had power. This man is now swept and garnished, but empty. That is, his disorder, his disordered state has been remedied, but there is nothing else there. This can generally be applied to us. The soul is cleansed by baptism or penance and is outwardly clean and splendid. Man has natural talents and budding virtues, but he is empty. The life of grace is not fed or developed, hence the Holy Ghost has no natural dwelling place in that soul. The devil, on the other hand, takes advantage of the emptiness and brings all of his friends to the housewarming party. Thus the last state of that man is worse than the first. This is a warning of what should happen if we grow careless. We need a constant vigilance. The Church prays every night in the Divine Office the words of St. Peter, Fratres sobri estote et vigilate. Brethren, be sober and watch, for your adversary, the devil, goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It is not enough for us to build, we must also cultivate. Now, why does our Lord's Mother unexpectedly appear on the scene in the Gospel? Well, she and his disciples feared for his safety due to the hatred of the Pharisees and tried to speak with him. Someone of the crowd says to him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without and seek to speak with thee. But our Lord looks around and says to those standing near, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my Father in heaven, he is my brother, sister, and mother. Our Lord is not repudiating his mother and his relatives, but he is explaining that those who are members of his family, namely by baptism, as we are, are expected to do God's will. The Blessed Virgin Mary is dear to him not so much because of an earthly relationship, but because she did the will of God, especially by her fiat mici secundum verbum tuum, be it done unto me according to thy word. St. Bernard says that Our Lady conceived our Lord by her humility. Here we see the contrast between Our Lady and the Pharisees. They, through their pride, would look even to the devil as the cause for Christ's miracles. While Our Lady was so humble that she could be the mother of God. Then a woman in the crowd, filled with the zeal of the words of Christ, raises up her voice and says, Blessed is the womb that bore thee. This was the custom of the Hebrews to praise someone by offering praise to their mother. But our Lord teaches them that his mother was blessed because she was among those who heard the word of God and kept it. All praise to Our Lady is praise to God. We are often caught, accused by the Protestants of overdoing it in our honor of Mary, but this is because they do not understand the closeness of this son and mother. And why is this bond so strong? Because they alone were without any stain of sin. 
Their sinlessness was portrayed very well in the Passion of Christ movie by the fact that Jesus and Mary were the only ones who saw the devil as he roamed about in the crowd. The devil cannot hide from those he has no power over. But what can we learn from all this? First, to heed the warning of vigilance which Christ gives. Remember, the devil is an angel, a fallen one, but he still has an intellect far superior to ours and is always watching for the best time to strike. The second thing we can learn, and no one wants to hear this part, is that Lent is a time of fasting and prayer. No one wants to fast, and hardly anyone does anymore. But our Lord says that the only way to remove the devil is by fasting. Thirdly, we must not be empty, but full and adorned. And how can we fill our house, our temple, for the Holy Ghost to come? By prayer. It fills us with the furniture and adornment of virtue. In your prayer, pray to and with the Blessed Virgin Mary that you may be able not only to hear the word of God, but to keep it as well. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.